Welcome to the Supported Living Property Podcast with your host, me, Lisa Brown, the place to learn about supported living property investing. In this episode, Richard Kennedy talks about the model they have developed at Cornerstone Place, where supported accommodation is eventually owned by the charity leasing the property. We discuss the importance of sustainable rent setting and how their approach of being impact-led makes a difference. Hi, Richard. It's great to have you here today. How are you? Good, thanks, Lisa. Thanks very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. For those who don't know you, do you want to introduce yourself and tell people a bit about you? Thanks, yeah. So I'm Richard Kennedy. I'm the co-founder of um, Cornerstone Place, um, which is a a social enterprise that's dedicated to um, helping charities that support homeless people to um, find the right properties. um, And then ultimately, our, our, our aim is that those charities end up owning those assets themselves. Fantastic. So what's your background? How did you end up doing this then, Richard? Cool. So I've got a bit of a long checkered kind of career history. My first my first um, career was in restaurants and then I went and did a, an MBA to kind of uh, create a career change. And, and on the MBA, um, I actually did it in South Africa, um, discovered this concept called social enterprise. I did this in 2006. It was kind of very much at the start of the social enterprise um, sector, I guess, in, in, in the UK. And and came back and and started working in in that sector, um, developing you know working with um, with charities to help them to become more sustainable. Um, we ran a venture philanthropy fund, and then I became my sort of mastermind topic would be kind of social impact measurement, and I became an accredited social return on investment practitioner, and um, and so I was really kind of passionate about working with the sector to help them to be more sustainable, but also be good at measuring. Um, measuring their in, measuring and managing their impact and then I've had various other sort of roles in big sort of international charities I did a little stint with um, a marketing strategy consultancy which was quite interesting um, traveling all over the world and helping brands to be a bit more purposeful um, and then in I think about 2017 I thought you know it's time to do something different and having supported charities and social enterprises for a long time I wanted to Set, set one up myself and um, met my co-founder David uh, David Ball um, at a property training event um, and we started talking and um, and and, it, and you know one plus one equal 150 and we 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 created a cornerstone place um, and you know David's um, David's background is is much more in kind of property um, and he's a sort of main contractor I mean, a main contractor and, and, and builder I guess um, back in the day. Um, and has his own version of lived experience of, of homelessness because a, a very close member of his family um, experienced homelessness. And so, you know, he has a real passion for doing something about it. Um, you know, my passion is about the, the, the social sector and creating sustainable business models. Um, and so, yeah, it didn't take us very long when we started talking about property to end up um, looking at a way that we could, uh, we could support charities around homelessness. Um, and then, yeah, a couple of other bits I do. I'm, I'm on the board of Social Value International, which is an international um, membership organisation for people who are passionate about um, measuring impact. We've got thousands of members probably across 25 countries. Um, I work very closely with uh, Social Enterprise UK um, and I'm also on the board or the, I chair what's called the, the, the ESG subgroup of Mears PLC, which some of your listeners may be aware of, the biggest, one of the biggest providers of maintenance services for social housing in the country. And so I've been working with them for a number of years to help them to 
think about how they can be the best possible, um, you know, uh, and most trusted provider of services to the public sector. Um, and yeah, so there's a variety of different things that we do, but cornerstone places is, is the is the core of core of what I spend my time on now. And um, yeah, really passionate about helping homeless charities to have the best possible provision that they can, but also end up hopefully owning those assets themselves. And that's that's a really interesting concept, I think, isn't it? Is the fact that you know that's your end goal is that the the charities will end up owning these these properties. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that and how that happens? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think what what we realised when we started talking to to charities is is that, that you know there is a desperate need, and you know we were talking just before about you know there is this uh, there's a bit of limited stock availability for these organisations, and so often you know that what they could, the options that they have are to rent from private sector landlords or to or to or to work with pension funds and there's quite a lot of pension funds out there that are providing um you know stock on volume to to to, to charities like this and one charity we met was 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 approached by a pension fund and was told you know we'll buy six million pounds worth of property for you all you've got to do is sign a sign a lease for 20 years with rpi increases um which is great because the charity then gets good property immediately, but in 20 years' time it becomes very expensive. And all of the all of the capital gain ends up with the pension fund, not with the charity. And so the charity ends up having to just keep going on, on signing new leases. And so what we want to do is, is try and take some of that, that risk, the, the, the property acquisition and development risk away from the charity by doing that ourselves. But over time, we want the charity to end up owning that asset. And we know we don't want to be long-term landlords. We want the charities to be the long-term landlords. We want them to have that those assets in the communities where they operate to ensure that they can be there for the long term, that they're not gonna, you know, get to the end of a contract. And you know, we've also I've heard this on multiple occasions where the RP says, you know what, we're not going to rent you that property anymore because we've decided we want it back in our portfolio. Well, then you know the charity then can't compete for that contract, and those beneficiaries, you know, are then you know back out on the streets. So we want the charities to be in control. We want them to end up owning the assets, and we want them to end up, you know, building that balance sheet that they can then they can leverage, like like you know, like we as property investors, you know, we. You buy property, you wait for it to go up and pay a little bit, you leverage, you buy some more. And I, I, I want those skills, well, not skills, those concepts from the private sector to be applied to these sort of smaller-ish kind of um, charity, local, more localised charities so that they can build those assets and, and they can provide that those services for the community for the long term. That obviously sounds really appealing. I can imagine a lot of the providers listening are thinking, this sounds great. I, I love the idea of that for, for the organisation that I'm working in or that I'm running. Um, how does that actually work from a from a finance point of view? Because presumably you're, you're buying expensive sites. We all know that costs of builds are going up and up at yeah. the moment and developing those sites. How Financially, how does that work, Richard? Yeah, I mean, it's tricky. And, you know, we, we're very transparent with the, the charities and, and the registered providers that we work with to, to explain you know how we can how we can manage to do that. I'm probably not going to go into great detail on that. Uh, at least having spent um, three or four years and and literally tens, if not hundreds of thousands of pounds on legal fees to, to get that right. But um, but essentially, it's you know we, we take the initial risk, we fully fund the projects, we raise all of the money, 
and I'm sure you know this concept's probably not uh, you know not new to your your listeners and viewers, but um, you know when you've got a lease on a property, um, you know we we have long term leases with our with our partners. When you've got a lease on a property, that adds value, and that allows at the back end of the development, it allows um, you know allows us to transition onto more long term um, long term cheaper amortizing debt rather than kind of more expensive um, investment. Um, but you know we work with great you know, banks and social investors who, are, uh, uh, you know, give, give great rates and are, you know, very understanding of our social mission. Um, and then ultimately it just becomes a, an asset that, that um, you start to pay down the debt on and, and, and it makes it easier and easier for, um, for, for charities to end up owning the asset. And, you know, we, we, uh, yeah, we take a haircut to make sure that they can, they, they can do that. Fantastic. So, so from the organisation's point of view, it's not hugely a lot more expensive than than the lease rent would be normally, or is there a considerable higher cost for them? In no, the- I mean we aim. We all, our starting point is always LHA, um, and then we, you know, we essentially look at the costs of developing whatever the asset is and what the long term debt's going to be, and we very transparently say, well, we can't service that long term debt on LHA. It needs to be LHA plus ten pounds, or it needs to be LHA plus twenty pounds, or whatever it is. But we're fully trying. If we can do LHA, we always start at that point, and we've we've done sites, you know, at LHA. We we we're doing sites slightly above LHA. Um, it just depends on on the on the dynamics, and you know, I'd imagine in somewhere like Westminster, we'd probably need to do, you know, LHA plus quite a lot, uh, given the given the cost of property and 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 you know the, the development opportunities in in Westminster. Whereas you know, in some of the boroughs up up in the, up in the north. Manchester is actually quite expensive now, but you know, further outside of Manchester, perhaps it, it is, is a bit more conceivable to do it, um, you know, at LHA rates. But it, we're fully transparent. We're not, you know, people who will, will see exactly uh, how we come to those conclusions. And it's not that we're, uh, well, anyway, it's just about servicing that debt. That's the most important thing. Yeah. And, and the kind of properties that you're developing, you know, what, kind, what do they look like? What sort of buildings are you working on? Yeah, I mean, we do. Anything and everything. So our, our, the most important thing is that we're, we're impact-led. So we go and talk to organisations. You know, we don't come with charities. And I know there's a lot of landlords, which is fantastic, um, you know, who've got stock and they want to put it to good use. And that's, that's brilliant. We don't start there. We start with a charity, which means we, we can't be as quick as some of the landlords who've already got stock. Um, but we start with the charity and ask them what is it they're looking for. And they might say, you know, what we really want is, you know, 10, 10 sort of self-contained apartments, uh, you know, an office space for um, some of our staff and maybe a drop-in centre with some washing machines, you know, for, for other people who might help or something like that. And then we go into the market all the same way that I'm sure your other listeners would, you know, looking at, um, you know, estate agents, calling, calling people in our network to see if we can find sites or offices or plots of land and um and then we'll, we'll 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 develop you know based on that so we've done um yeah we've done sort of hmos into self-contained we're doing um yeah support you know c2 you know upgrading c2 accommodation um we're doing conversions of, of offices we've got one site at the moment which just put planning in a couple of weeks ago for 63 units in in east of england um um so the sort of office to resi conversions um and we've got a new build site at the moment again we're just waiting unfortunately uh because because we're very transparent and we said who the beneficiaries were 
uh, in the planning application, there was uh, a little bit of um, not in my backyard. So we've had a few complaints. It's going to committee, but we've got strong uh, strong support from, from from the local authority. So you know, we do some we're doing some new build uh, new build accommodation as well, and and that new build um, is quite exciting. It's going to be probably operationally uh, carbon net zero, um, and uh, you know, with kind of mechanical ventilation, all that sort of stuff, um, and you know, PV on the roof, on the ceilings, um, oh, sorry, on the on the on the roof, and so the the, the the tiles, and it's probably going to be about two hundred pounds per year per unit to 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 heat and light. Wow! And obviously, in the kind of current <laughs> current environment, that's absolutely bonkers. Uh, but the the most important thing is is again that it becomes sustainable, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners will you know, would be aware that, you know, the transition that people face, particularly, you know, we work normally, or we work with charities that work with people who are normally higher needs, but they they need to transition into being able to, um, you know, manage their own tenancy and pay their own bills. And and obviously in a scenario where, you know, the, 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 the utilities are only going to be 200 pounds a year, that is much more sustainable than one where, I don't know about you, but, um, you know, my, my utilities have probably doubled in the last 12 months. So, um yeah, that's a much easier starting place for for some of these beneficiaries. And the, and so when you're talking about units, are you talking about like a standard one bed flat size, or are they smaller than that, or or what are they? Yeah, I mean we do a variety. So um, obviously some of the sort of C two, um, you know, the planning regulations around C two, you can go a bit smaller. Um, I mean we we I don't think we ever go much below twenty square meters, but obviously we're planning now um, with um, office to residential you you know you you have to go to minimum space standards so it has to be 37 square meters um and we tend to do a mix of one and two beds because the charities that that we work with sometimes have um you know they work with with single parents or people fleeing domestic violence that sort of thing um and so they, they would have children with them as well so um it's helpful for the charities to to, to give them an option of, of two beds as well um but yeah, we 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 again, it's fully transparent, and we we, we present this is this is we could make floor plans look like this. The charity goes, that's great, that's perfect. Or they might say, well, you know what, we need it to be bigger. But what we we find when we talk to charities is actually the, the beneficiaries themselves tend to not want, and it's not necessarily very helpful for them to be in big units. Um, and I've heard countless stories of, you know. You, work with someone you take them from a hostel or, or what have you and you put them in a in a one bed flat and they move their beds and everything out else out of the bedroom into the lounge and they sort of live in the lounge because they're, they're not used to having so much space so it, again we're led by the charity so the charity tell us you know we want one bed flats because the the, the sort of people we work with are of this particular type um, then that's what we'll deliver. And if they say, you know what, we want really, we want cluster. We want we, we need to be able to support these people intensively. You know, we want ten, and they need to be small units. Then then we try and achieve that. And we work with our you know planning consultants and professional advisors to to try and create the optimum outcome for the charity based on 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 what the what's going to give them the biggest impact. Fantastic. I mean, that's certainly a case. I know I've lo- I agree. Lots of organisations say the 37 metres squared, you know, particularly if you're looking at care leavers as well, they can be yeah. it's quite a large unit to be in for a short term, you know, place as yeah. well if it's a transition. Um, so these are a mixture of sort of transition properties and actual long term stays for people. Is that yes? Right? Yeah. I mean, again, it just depends on the, on the charity and they, they need to they need to make it work um, both ways. And you know, we're, we're starting to learn more and more about the 
uh, you know, social rents and all that sort of stuff. That's a quite a complicated. There's a lot, you know, I think you could do a PhD in, in, in the complexity around how you calculate social rents and what's allowed and what's not allowed and all of that sort of stuff. But, um, but yeah, obviously as people transition away from, from care, they, they, they need to be able to afford that rent by themselves. And, and so there's a bit of sensitivity, isn't there, in, in, terms of, um, in terms of being able to pay those high rent levels because the beneficiary themselves has to be able to pay that. So there's a, there's a bit of a control of the market at the moment, I think, that, that reduces um, some of those, those intensive housing uh, charges to ensure that they're more affordable for the tenants. Mm, definitely, that's, that's the sticking point for a lot of organisations, isn't it, is that transition? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and for people who get stuck there, that's fantastic. Thank you for explaining that. It's been really helpful. Um, is there anything that you else you want to say, anything, advice or anything else that you feel like people, um, you know, I think a lot of people listening will think this sounds really fascinating, a really interesting way to sort of get involved. And obviously we'll put your contact details in the show notes so people can find you, Richard. Um, but for anyone thinking of coming into this space and, and looking at getting started, is there anything that you think people need to think about? Well, I mean, I, I mean, just... I'll sort of step back a bit to the macro picture and, and, you know, I, I was amazed, you know, we, we sort of got going during COVID and we really thought that there was going to be a huge, you know, tsunami of presentations during COVID. And I think that everyone in, um, you know, program was, was brilliant and it showed, you know, how we as a society can look after the most vulnerable in society when we really put our minds to it. Uh, but when, when all of that started, well, when all of that stopped and furlough stopped and all the other things stopped, I really expected there would be a, a very quick um, increase in presentations. And, and then suddenly we had this weird thing where, you know, there was more vacancies in the job market than, than, than people trying to apply. And then now we're in this crazy situation with, with inflation. Um, and, and I think the whole macro picture is, 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 is worrying and, you know, having spent a lot of time, you know, in the social sector and working with, with charities and, 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 and thinking about, um, you know, the kind of the macro picture, generally when there's change, um, you tend to find um, that, you know, the asset owners, um, you know, the, the stockholders, all of those, they, they will do well, you know, the, the, the people that, you know, JP Morgan's and the, you know, all of those guys, they'll do well because there's a change and, and, and they'll, they'll make a margin on, on all of those, those transfers. Um, you know, the people in the middle will, will, will probably suffer because we, we've got an increasing cost of living and the people at the bottom will be disproportionately, um, you know, they'll disproportionately suffer. So, so I, I really think that there's unfortunately going to be a, a big influx in people requiring you know, high quality, good value. And I know that, you know, I hope that that's possible. And I hope that your listeners will believe and stand with me that that's a possible thing, that we can have high quality, low cost housing. Um, uh, and I think there's going to be a, a lot of people that are going to need that. And, and I think, unfortunately, there will be a lot of people that will need support um, uh, as, as inflation keeps going up and costs keep going up. You know, People are not going to be able to afford to stay where they are, and and you know it's devastating that that's going to happen. So so I would really encourage your listeners, particularly those that are landlords, to to think about you know diverting more of their portfolio into sports accommodation. You know I'm sure you know it's a great kind of um, you know brilliant from a kind of impact perspective, but it's also much more long term. All of my my own um, residential properties in is, is rented 
uh, you know, through that mechanism. And um, and they're, they're brilliant tenants. You know, they 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 look after the very house, proud. They're really, you know, all of the rest of it. So so I would encourage people to to to, to think about that. Um, and then also, you know, your, 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 the local charities that you're working with, you know, try and think about what, how you can serve them. Don't think, don't, don't start with you and what you've got. Think, start with them and, and what's important to them. And that's, that's exactly what Cornerstone Place does. That's our starting point is how can we serve you? How can we, um, how can we deliver the best impact for you? And that's our starting point. Um, and then it goes through to hopefully, um, you know, doing lots of projects, which we are with, with lots of charities up and down the country. Fantastic. Thank you, Richard. It's been great chatting to you today. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you for listening today. If you want to find out more, please go to my website, www.lisabrown.uk, where you can download a free guide to supported living property.